Chapter One of In the Footprints of the Padres by Charles Warren Stoddard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter One Old Days in El Dorado. Ten Happy Valley. How well I remember it, the Happy Valley of the days of old. It lay between California Street and Rincon Point was bounded on the east by the harbor of san francisco and on the west by the mission peaks i never knew just why it was called happy i never saw any wildly happy inhabitants singing or dancing for joy on its sometimes rather indefinite street corners if there is happiness in sand then happily it was sandy you might have climbed knee-deep up some parts of it and slid down on the other side you could have played at hide-and-seek among its shifting undulations from what is now known as knob hill you could have looked across it to the heights of rincon point and perchance have looked in vain for happiness yet who or what is happiness a flying nymph whose airy steps even the sand cannot stay for long down through this happy valley ran market street a bias cut across the city that was to be Market Street is about all that saved that city from making a checkerboard of its ground plan. Market Street flew off at a tangent and set all the south portion of the town at an angle that is rather a relief than anything else that I know of. Who wants to go on forever up one street and down another and then across town at right angles as if life were a treadmill and there were no hope of change until the great change comes? Happy Valley! i remember one cool twilight when a prairie schooner that was time-worn and weather-beaten drifted down montgomery street from market street and rounded the corner of sutter street where it hove to you know the prairie schooner was the old-time emigrant wagon that was forever crossing the plains in forty nine and the early fifties it was scow-built hooded from end to end freighted with goods and chattels and therein the whole family lived and moved and had its being during the long voyage to the pacific coast on this twilight evening the captain of the schooner assisted by a portion of his crew deliberately took down part of the fence which enclosed a sand lot bounded by montgomery sutter and post streets driving into the centre of the lot the horses four jaded beasts were turned loose and soon a campfire was lighted and the entire emigrant family gathered about it to partake of the evening meal on this lot now stands the lick house and the masonic hall undreamed of in those days no one seemed in the least surprised to find in the very heart of the city a scene such as one might naturally look for in the heart of the rocky mountains and the wilds of the great desert or the heights of the humboldt no doubt they thought it a happy valley and well they might for they had reached their journey's end a stone's throw from that twilight camp on the south side of market street stood old st patrick's church it was a most unpretending structure and was quite overshadowed by the r c orphan asylum close at hand both were backed by sand hills and both together with the sand have been spirited away the palace and grand hotels now stand on the spot the original st patrick still exists and after one or two transportations has come to final halt near the catholic cemetery under the shadow of lone mountain 
it must be ever dear to me for within its modest rectory i met the first catholic clergyman i ever became acquainted with and within it i grew familiar with the offices of the church though i was instructed by the reverend father acolti s j at old st ignatius on marcus street and by him baptized at the st mary's cathedral on the corner of california and dupont streets now the church of the paulist fathers i have referred to dear old st patrick's which was dedicated on the first sunday in september eighteen fifty one in the story of my conversion a little bit of autobiography entitled a troubled heart and how it was comforted at last the late peter h burnett first governor of california was my godfather in eighteen fifty five st mary's cathedral was the handsomest house of worship in the city for the most part the churches of all denominations were of the plainest not to say cheapest order of architecture as a youth i sat in the family pew in the first presbyterian church situated on stockton street near broadway well i remember my father with others of the congregation all members of the vigilance committee at the sound of the alarm bell rising in the midst of the sermon and striding out of the house to take arms in defence of law and order perhaps the saddest sights in those early days were the neglected cemeteries there was one at north beach where before eighteen fifty there were eight hundred and forty interments it was on the slope of telegraph hill the place was neglected a street had been cut through it and on the banks of this street we could at intervals see the ends of coffins protruding some were broken and falling apart some were still sound it was a gruesome sight there were a few russian graves on russian hill a forlorn spot in those days but perhaps the forlornest of all was yerba buena cemetery where previous to eighteen fifty four four thousand and five hundred bodies had been buried it was halfway between happy valley and the mission dolores the sand there was tossed in hillocks like the waves of a sandy sea there the chaparral grew thickest and there the scrub oaks shrugged their shoulders and turned their backs to the wind and grew all lopsided with leafage as dense as moss no fence enclosed this weird spot the sand sifted into it and through it and out on the other side it made graves and uncovered them it had ever a new surprise for us we boys haunted it in ghoulish pairs and whispered to each other as we found one more coffin coming to the surface or searched in vain for the one we had seen the week before it had been mercifully reburied by the winds there were rude headboards painted in fading colors and beneath them lay the dead of all nations soon to be nameless by and by they were all carried hence and those that were far away watching and waiting for the loved and absent adventurers watched and waited in vain a change come o'er the spirit of the place the site is now marked by the new city hall in all probability the most costly architectural monstrosity on this continent from grave to gay is but a step from lively to severe another i know not which of the two is longer 
it was literally from grave to gay when the old san franciscans used to wade through the sandy margin of yerba buena cemetery in search of pleasure at russ's garden on the mission road it flourished in the early fifties this very german garden the pride and property of mr christian russ it was a little bit of the fatherland transported as if by magic and set down among the hillocks toward the mission dolores well i remember being taken there at intervals to find little tables in artificial bowers where sat whole families as sedate or merry as much at ease as if they were in their own homes they would spend sunday there after mass there was always something to be seen to be listened to to be done meals were served at all hours and beer at all minutes and the program contained a long list of attractions enough to keep one interested till ten or eleven o'clock at night i can remember how scanty the foliage was it resembled a little the toy villages that are made in the tyrol having each of them a handful of impossible trees that breathe not balsam but paint i remember the high wind that blew in bravely from the sea the pavilion that was a wonder-world of never-failing attractiveness and how on a certain occasion i watched with breathless anxiety and dumb amazement a man who seemed to have discarded every garment common to the race wheel a wheelbarrow with a grooved wheel up a tight-rope stretched from the ground to the outer peak of the pavilion and all the time there was a man in the wheelbarrow who seemed paralyzed with fright as no doubt he was the man who wheeled the barrow was the world-famous blondine another sylvan retreat was known as the willows there were some willows there but i fear they were numbered and there was an alfresco theatre such as one sees in the champs elysees indeed the place had quite a frenchy atmosphere and was not at all german as was russ's garden french singers sang french songs upon the stage it was not much larger than a sounding-board an air of gaiety prevailed for i imagine the majority of the habitues were from the french quarter of the city of course there were birds and beasts and cages populous with monkeys and there was an emu the weird bird that cannot fly the australian cassowary this bird inspired bret hart to song and in his early days he wrote the ballad of the emu oh say have you seen at a willow so green so charming and rurally true a singular bird with a manner absurd which they call the australian emu have you ever seen this australian emu i fear the poet was moved to sarcasm when he sang of the willows so green so charming and rurally true surely they were greener than any other trees we had in town for we had almost none save a few dark evergreens well the place was charming in its way and as rurally true as anything could be expected to be on that peninsula in its native wilderness the willows and russ's garden had their day and it was a jolly day they were good for the people those rural resorts they were rest for the weary refreshment for the hungry and thirsty and they have gone even their very sights are now obliterated and the new generation has perhaps never even heard of them 
how we wondered at and gloried in the oriental hotel it was the queen of western hostelries and stood at the corner of battery and bush streets and the tahama house so famous in its day it was lieutenant g h derby better known in letters as john phoenix and squibob names delightfully associated with the early history of california it was this lieutenant derby one of the first and best of western humorists who added interest to the hotel by writing a legend of the tahama house it begins chapter first it was evening at the tahama the apothecary whose shop formed the southeastern corner of that edifice had lighted his lamps which shining through those large glass bottles in the window filled with red and blue liquors once supposed by this author when young and innocent to be medicines of the most potent description lit up the faces of the passers-by with an unearthly glare and exaggerated the general redness and blueness of their noses the third and last chapter concludes with these words the tahama house is still there the laughter-making and laughter-loving phoenix has long since gone to his reward of the oriental hotel scarcely a tradition remains the tahama house what there is left of it has been spirited to the north side of broadway within a stone's throw of the city and county jail the cliffs of telegraph hill browbeat it it is one might say the last of its race another hospice if it was a hospice i remember it stood on the corner of clay and sansom streets and was a very ordinary building erected over the hulk of a ship that had been stranded there in the days of forty nine i saw the building torn down and the bones of the hulk disinterred years after the water lots that had been filled in for several squares between it and the old harbour were covered with substantial buildings when that bark was buoyant it had weathered cape horn with a small army of argonauts they had gone their way to dusty death she had buried her nose on the waterfront and had been smothered to death in the mire docks streets grew up around her a building had snuffed her out of sight and mind the old building gave place to a new one the bark was resurrected in order to lay a solid foundation for the new block that was to be in the hold of this forgotten bark was discovered a forgotten case of champagne it had been sunk in mud and ooze for years when the bottles were opened the corks refused to pop and nobody dared to touch the bilge that was within all this was on the happy hymn of happy valley and still i was not happy end of part ten